let's dive straight into the Spider-Verse. Welcome back to TheRealWorld.com. This is big Spideas, not not great Spideas. We established this when we did Venom. Uh, episode 5, covering the latest and greatest Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I am joined, as always on Big Spideas, by Mike Thomas. How are you? Let's pretend we didn't record five hours ago and that this is a just fresh new thing. I'm, I'm doing well. It's a completely new day. Mm-hmm. It's a completely new time. It's a new month, really. Yes. Um, is it a new season? No, it would be cool if we like recorded at like 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. on December 20th and then at 1 a.m. And on December 21st. And then we could have been like, hey, we just recorded in a couple hours. It's a new, whole new season now. Right. And we could have been a Spider-Man for a new season. Nice. For a Spider-Man for all seasons? There's something like that, right? These are all great ideas that we have not done. Instead, I, I cannot promise this will be edited as quickly. You can check out the Christmas special of The Real World, which which should have been up a while ago. I don't know when this is going up, but, but we are here to discuss Spider-Man. I saw this movie about a week ago and didn't really make any notes whatsoever. Mike, you saw this two, three, four hours ago. I saw it from like 11.45 until 2. Okay, and what time and is it now? it is 2.50 now. There you go. It could not be fresher in your mind. So, you know, Sony have made all their Spider-Man films, Venom, their grand attempt to launch a universe that may succeed despite all odds. But in the meantime, they've been quietly working on this animated Spider-Man film, uh, produced and partially written by, well, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, the guys that do the Lego movies. Uh, Phil Lord co-wrote it. Chris Miller's just a producer, along with Emmy Pascal, who does all the Sony Spider-Man films. Directed by a trio of people I've not heard of who have animation backgrounds. Well, one of them does. Uh, Rodney Rothman did 22 Jump Street with uh, Lord and Miller, so that's where that's coming in. And... You know, the, when the first trailer dropped a while ago, it kind of blew everyone's mind, like, the visual style they were going for. I know you started to get concerned that it was a little bit too cute for its own good sort of thing, or I can't remember how you phrased it, but you were you were concerned heading into it that it was not going to be what everyone was hoping for. How do you feel now you've seen it? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, okay. I mean, there's a pretty solid argument it's the best Spider-Man movie. I I have gone back and forth. I would certainly listen to that argument. I mean, I think the big thing for me is that I'm not passionate about pretty much any Spider-Man movie. Mm. So I would be very open to the idea that this is the best <laughs> one, is, since I don't care about any of them. Is this like how Ben and I tried to argue Iron Man 3 is the best Iron Man movie, and you were like, you know what, I'll listen to that, because they all suck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. I mean, actually, somewhat similarly, this is by far the most ambitious Spider-Man movie. Yes. There's uh, a whole Spider-Verse. Yeah. They finally have their Spider-Man universe they're do- so desperately craved. Yeah. I, I support this more as a direction to go in than all the shit they've tried previously when trying to launch a universe. Like, please do yeah. cancel that Morbius film you're planning. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was watching this, I had a, a sense of slight vindication of being like, Everything I've been saying for months about superhero movies has proven true here. It works better when there's an ensemble. Yes. Uh, it works better when you don't do the cookie cutter villain and the cookie cutter female like love interest. Yes. Uh, Very proud of them for not having Miles and Gwen kiss at the end. Uh, you don't have the black sidekick. Uh, the they, white sidekick. <laughs> yeah, you definitely avoid that by not making the black character a supporting character. I mean, they're really just the genius. Uh, there's no bounds there. Yeah. 
And on top of that, there was just kind of this sense of like wonder and excitement about it. We were like, what yes. could they do next? I think that um, is the biggest thing you can say about this, is that after so many Spider-Man films, cartoons, games, everything, this still feels fresh. And yeah. Marvel had a Spider-Man film not that long ago, and there was a Venom movie earlier this year, and this feels fresh and new and exciting. And I don't want to see 12 of these, but I am certainly on board for a, a sequel or two to this. I mean, it's far more exciting than Homecoming. Right? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's ex- it's more exciting than Homecoming. That, that's the thing. I, I, I am a huge, huge fan of, of Homecoming. I stand that film, have my Spider-Man biases. I think and I, li- I like Homecoming. Yeah, I, I think I, most I think people it's the best like of the live ac- It's the best of the live-action films by far, for, certainly, for, certainly. as far as I'm concerned. But there wasn't that sense of possibilities with it. There. It sure. still felt... This is a new... I, I, someone has arrived to say hello to the world you know like this this is miles yeah. these are some other people who hopefully they don't lean too hard into but some of them more than others there is some potential to do some things with and just you know bringing in this whole host of spider-man characters and they cram in a ton of villains here it's a thing they always do with animated stuff it's like well we don't need to just have one villain we can have six <laughs> and they do and you know only a couple of them talk but that's fine it's got a lot of heart I would say, which is, for me, that is the biggest requirement with a Spider-Man film. It is the superhero who I think has the most heart, and they have a lot of it here. Miles is incredibly endearing. Uh, his little personal story is, is very compelling, and they do excellent stuff with the alternate world Peter and stuff like that. It's it's lovely. It's, it's quaint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I wasn't entirely sure of the story going into it. Sure. I thought there was a sense that the the heart of it was going to be Miles and uh, alternate universe Peter, mm-hmm. and but I didn't fully understand it. So when Peter died in the opening, yes, because I was like, wait, what's happening? Heavily, I don't know. yeah, heavily promoted that you know Jake Johnson is here as your schlubby Peter who you know wears and, sweatpants, and yeah. I when you see the first scenes of Miles as Peter, I was like, that doesn't sound like is he trying to like put on a yeah, grown-up that's voice what i couldn't th- it didn't seem like it was J- jake johnson so yeah. i was just like what is- and it wasn't jake johnson no. you were about to reveal but yes. uh it, i was i was confused at first which i actually think is a really good example yeah. of using marketing to your advantage absolutely of- yeah because i had a vague picture of the plot in my head going into it but i i didn't see them doing a oh his peter is here and he dies uh, type thing right. and I, I had to look it up afterwards I was like this voice is familiar but I have no clue who it is and it's Chris Pine and that's yeah. that's cool that he did that along with the little Christmas song he did at the end very fun I, I thought they handled it really well uh, with this Chris Pine Spider-Man you know meeting Miles for the first time and like protecting him and then you know dying in front of him and then you, you go through the stuff with meeting this uh, much older, <laughs> much more beaten down by the world, Peter, and looking to him to be the same kind of ultra heroic version uh, as the one he knows, and being disappointed in him. But then, you know, Peter, through Miles, like learning to be a hero again, and like he, he I, I do like right. the sweatpants over the suit thing, but I like the touch that he eventually takes them off. And he is being a far more heroic version of himself again. And, you know, the, the the bond they have. And he talks about how things sort of went south with Mary Jane because he didn't want kids. And then, you know, I, I love that line of, wait, do I want kids? When he's, like, super proud of Miles at the end. And, you know, then bonding and him teaching him how to web swing. And 
excellent stuff i thought all of that very very warm yeah i think i mean I, the most attention will probably go to the the crazy timelines and things like that mm-hmm. but and that stuff to me is much more of a just like that's a fun kind of, it's a fun it's gimmick. just like a, a fun little hook gimmick but yeah. really the heart of the story is not really that's not really necessary because no. it's really it's peter and miles i'm sure um, it's gonna make them a ton of money like merchandising stuff and, and, yeah. and spin-offs and all that and it is fun to see all these alternate Spider-Men and, and, and women and seeing the animation styles next to each other. But fundamentally, this is a excellently told, intimate story about Miles and about human relationships and, and that kind of stuff. You could have done this with just Peter and Miles, I think. And yeah. throwing in Gwen and Noir and Spider-Ham and Penny Parker, like, very, very fun, but not necessary. But I'm not complaining they're there at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not complaining. But I just like one that's like that is like that was the really cool part of the story to me, mm-hmm. and that was uh, you know the part that they could easily explore in live action movies. Yes, like I could see them being intimidating. Like okay, we can't have a fairly problematic uh, Japanese schoolgirl and giant robot <laughs> and all these things at the same time. But yeah. we could have the older hero and the younger hero mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of have a not just a passive torch but they both grow type of story which i yes. don't i don't think i've seen before i don't no. like that felt really fresh and exciting on screen yeah and i love it, it's not in the final movie uh, i mean you've seen it so you can fact check this for me but like the line from the trailer is like don't do it like me be you like be your yeah. own spider-man kind of thing i think that's an excellent line and like I saw something going around afterwards where it's like, oh, they've confirmed that Jake Johnson's Spider-Man is the real Spider-Man, and someone was like, you've missed the entire point of this movie. <laughs> there is no real yeah. Spider-Man. His last lines are literally like, anyone can have the mask. Yes. Like, anyone can put on... You can put on the mask. Exactly. Like, if you don't get... I mean, like, they literally spell out the central idea of the, of the movie yeah. in, in, and, in the final monologue. <laughs> so. And that's, that's always been the thing with Spider-Man. He appealed because he was real. And, like, it's the stuff I like in the Garfield ones when he, like, puts the mask on the kid and helps that kid that's being bullied and stuff and fist bumps him at the end. That's, like, some of the very best stuff in any Spider-Man film for me. But it's even better here. And I, yeah. I, I love it. And <laughs> we haven't even talked about the art style. I... I it's phenomenal, it's crazy, I've seen nothing like it. Again, much like the gimmick of the multiple Spider-Man, it's, it's cool, it's, it's, it's great, but this would have worked if it didn't look like this. Um, yeah. I think that we're going to keep coming back to this every three minutes. This, this would have still worked if you just had this, this Miles and Peter without, story. With or without the gimmicks. Exactly. And the gimmicks are good. I don't want to dismiss them as gimmicks. Yeah. Stuff like, you know, when he's falling and it says, ah, coming down. And it's the thwips yeah. on the screen. and I love the little, whenever they, they introduce a new Spider-Man. Right, so here let's start from the beginning. And they, they put the comic on the table and you see, you know, their little condensed origin story and a couple of those are basically actual covers of comic books so it, i thought all of that was was really well done and it, the the problem with an ensemble i know you you love an ensemble i love an ensemble uh when they're done badly it's because you're giving too much time trying to introduce everyone and i thought those were a really effective way to be like right here's what they're about and it helps that like three of these characters are basically <laughs> you know you get it instantly but it, i thought it was helpful for like gwen and their version of peter and that other version of Peter, I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I mean, I mean they definitely had that heads up as you I mean that advantage you say inside. 
you know, the story is supposed to be basically the same for everybody. Mm. And for three of them, you don't really need to know yeah. <laughs> anything other than different versions of Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what else to talk about. This I know. Like, I, I, it's good. Like, it it's is good really good. It. The story is good. It feels authentic, both with the characters. Like, Shamik Moore is, is playing a great sort of teenage boy. Like, he's got Chance the Rapper poster on, it, on his wall. He's, like, badly singing along to a song that he clearly doesn't know the words to. That was um, one of the most endearing parts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'd say the whole thing. Yes. His relationship with his mother and father, sneaking out to see his cool uncle. You know, it's set in Brooklyn. They play a Biggie song, because you have to. He shouts Brooklyn in the tunnels. And I think Homecoming did this, not as well, I will say, but it made New York feel less like movie Manhattan, where everything's skyscrapers and taxis, and it was more like local bodegas and, and giving it a character like that. And I think this did that as well. I think that's very important too. And it, it helps Miles feel different from Peter. You know, he's not just swinging around skyscrapers. You see him around Brooklyn. And I, I thought all of that was great. Mashallah Ali as Aaron Davis it's like you didn't need to do this it's very cool that you did I thought he was great like him sort of teaching Miles how to hit on women like just very cool stuff I guess to me like the big thing is just like I left a feeling a sense of frustration with 90% of superhero movies that come out yeah I think uh, I think we should stop settling. That you constantly hear how people are getting tired of them. There's too many of them. They don't need to go away. People just need to be better at them. We we can't settle yeah. for Iron Man one anymore. You know, like, and I know a lot of people love that movie, but we this has been discussed ad nauseum by you and I, by me and Ben, all the stuff. We people can't. are still remaking Iron Man one. Yeah, and that's not good enough that? anymore. You need this, like, and and the other original ones. We Venom is so generic, and this yeah. is so original. And I, I love it. And hopefully everyone is copying this now for several years. Not directly, but you know, look at what this did well and, and learn your lessons there. I don't know why. I just don't feel a great sense of hope about it right now. Like, I don't... Yeah. I feel like people are learning all the wrong lessons. Because, like, this is, to me, this is what I think a lot of people thought Deadpool was on a substantive level. I, whereas... think, I think this is so much more important than Deadpool, though. But, that's like... my, but my point, though, is that people were responding to Deadpool as if it was, like, transformational. <laughs> and sure. it wasn't. It was just, it was Iron Man, but with, like, cursing. And, yes. like, <laughs> sex. And this felt far more like an authentic movie that happened to be wild and crazy. And just, it doesn't need to be wild and crazy. They just need yeah. to feel like actual movies, and they just don't sometimes. Yeah. And I think... This says a lot for... Animated films don't have to be for children, you know? Like, you can do a really good piece of animation. You know, Disney and Pixar, they do their thing. But I think there is a lot more space for a film like this that it happens to be animated. But it's it's not like, oh, it's an animated movie, you know? Like, it, it's just a good movie that happens to be animated. And I think I think more people should explore the idea of, okay, what if we did this as an animated thing instead? You know, it's not going to work for everything, but why can't there be, like, an MCU film that's, like, fully animated? I mean, the logistics of crossing over, obviously, but, like, in theory, why can't you do something like that? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the you have all these alternate spider people. you got Hayley Steinfeld as Gwen, and, again, I, I won't apologise, I stan <laughs> Spider-Gwen, a huge, huge fan of that character. Many years ago, I briefly reviewed comic books for 4on1mania.com. And they had just kicked off the, the Spider-Verse event that ultimately led to this. And they did they were doing a series of, of, of comics that were like introducing these new characters. And they did one that was Gwen and Spider-Man Noir. 
and I, I wrote something to the effect of these are the two that will have legs, like particularly Gwen, will actually like establish themselves and won't just be forgotten once this event's over. And there have been Spider-Gwen comics for several years now, it has a decent following, but I really hope that... It's the same way I felt when Logan brought X-23 to the world. It's like, these are characters that like I feel very personally invested in, and they're in these huge, huge things that everyone's talking about, and I really hope that people will pick up a Spider-Gwen comic or whatever. And they've talked about doing an all-female spin-off from this movie with, with Gwen and two other female Spider characters, and that's probably the only one I would support as a spin-off, because they've also said they want to do like a, a Spider-Ham movie and a Spider-Man noir. It's like, these two oh shouldn't... God. These two shouldn't have full movies. Like, they should do like a five-minute, or even less, Pixar-style short at the beginning of Into the Spider-Verse 2, or whatever they call the sequel to this, with Spider-Man noir, and that should be it. And they should like maybe do some like sixty second shorts for a DVD with Spider Ham, but do not give those two full movies. I beg of you. Yeah, I mean that was definitely a concern of mine leaving this as well. It's yeah. Just like, oh God, is as successful as it seems to be. It's yeah. just like, it's not going to lead to anything like, good. Like pull it back, you know, like know when to hold back. Like Spider Man Noir is not going to work in ninety minute form. It works as here's this ridiculous like Nicolas Cage hamming it up if only he were playing Spider-Ham to ham it up, with this, like, hum- bad Humphrey Bogart-style, old-timey manner of speech. Like, it's funny for a bit. Like, wherever I go, the wind blows and the wind smells of rain. It's like, right, that's funny. Don't do a 90-minute film. <laughs> yeah, I just... It's okay. They uh, might They I, might uh, not, Mike. It's fine. You don't have to fear the worst. Yeah, uh, but the worst always happens. It does. <laughs> I mean, I really... At this point, I still don't trust Sony on big-picture stuff. I'm sure. glad that this they made a good movie. Yeah. But I'm terrified of them. Make, like, it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> this is the thing. As... I think this is so good because the people at Sony who make decisions like, let's make a Morbius movie with Jared Leto in it and have tried twice to launch a big shared universe and all that, I don't think they give a fuck about an animated film. So they were left to do what they want, and I think that's why it's so good. I think it's a similar thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. That worked because there were zero expectations. No one knows who these characters are. Do what you want, and it worked. And I, I think something similar happened here, where if this had been live action, it would have been studio-managed to death. But because it's animation, someone is, who sits in a Sony boardroom is like, ah, whatever, it's an animated thing, kids will see it, whatever. And I think that probably worked to its advantage. And my fear would be that, yes, now it is going to make a ton of money and get all this buzz, that maybe those people will muscle in and be like, hey, how can we monetize this even more? Yeah. I don't want to bum you out. It's, it's, it's still sort of Christmas time. Yeah. It was a good movie. It, it I, mean, I think movie. the I think the I think the praise for it is going a little over the top. Like people are like, really? it should be nominated for best picture. Like, no, it's not like like there've been a lot of great movies this year. Like eh. stand for leave no trace. Stand for hell, stand for Mission Impossible Fallout before you stand for this. But um, Really? Wow. I haven't seen that, but that seems very bold. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible Fallout's much better than this. Okay. Um, now I have to see Mission Impossible Fallout. I think it is very, very good and I think it will inspire I think I think it's great that there are going to be pockets of society who are incredibly enthusiastic about this. It's a good thing to be enthusiastic about. Um, yes. I, yeah, yes. I'm, not, I'm not going to say, yes, let's nominate it for an Oscar. But then again, f- fuck the Oscars, you know? So <laughs> Yes, but it does dictate like what continuously gets made and who gets access and shit like that. So that's like... But anyway, I had a question. Sure. Why was Green Goblin a giant dragon? Because in Miles' universe, he is. So he that's like Norman turned into a dragon. Is he permanently a dragon? I believe so. 
in okay. Miles' universe, Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver are, like, incestuous. It's all very weird in that universe. Okay. There is precedent for this. Like, Jamie Foxx's version of Electro comes from this universe. Like, right. Yeah, it's all very what it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's a dragon. Uh, what did you think of the villains? Obviously, we Vincent D'Onofrio has delivered, like, the definitive Kingpin performance. Liv Schreiber has yeah. to step in, and he's doing more of a like a heavy Brooklyn accent or, or, or a New York accent of some description. I can't speak to that. I'm not from New York. It's... Given that Leif Schreiber is like one of the more respected voice actors going around, I was kind of shocked to discover it was him given how much I hated the voice for Fisk. Yeah. I... It, it felt like this, like, like you couldn't get a big actor. So you got Dan Hedaya to <laughs> like play your, to play your big bad in the movie. <laughs> and like, that's like the kind of voice it was. Yeah. And it just made him seem Maybe he shouldn't be mystified as a character, but it was a real yeah. demystification. For yeah, him. Like, I, it just... I feel they felt that need to sidestep the, the D'Onofrio version, but like maybe this wasn't the right direction to go, but... Yeah. He just felt so small, despite... Ironic, like, because he's so The crazy big. anime. I mean, I, I also really hated his look. Yeah, too, I ab- thought, too abstract a... for you. I think the way I think the context of the film was that they still vaguely look like human beings to a certain extent. A bit. <laughs> and he looked like you know, like the blob, like yeah. on steroids. Sure. The whole thing where uh, his back is so tall that it looks like yeah, that, I mean, that's just a floating thing, like, head. How would he fit through uh, doors? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, like I don't want to be nitpicky about that. Like sure. and I think you know, this actually, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of... Actually, it kind of reminds me of Guardians of the... I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was actually my thought through a lot of this. Mm-hmm. In large part due to, I thought Lee Pace was a fine villain, but, like, it didn't matter. Like, that yeah. was not the point. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about this. Like, it, who cares? Like, it doesn't really matter. Mm. I was a big fan of Catherine Hahn as... Yeah, as she was good. Olivia Octavius. Good stuff there. And then you've just got the ones that, like, barely even talk as well. You're like, you've got a scorpion, a tombstone, whatever, but... Yeah, which I, is a good use of like known villains yeah. that you don't have to like come up with some bullshit half-hearted backstory for mm-hmm. to justify. Like yeah. one of the worst things about these movies is, uh, I mean, superhero movies is when they feel the need to origin it's like, story everything. Yeah, of the, of the villain, yeah. and you feel like and like using they that don't even commit like, to it. Using that as an excuse as to like why villains aren't good. It's like, well, we've only got so much screen time. It's like, right. But but then again, sometimes they don't do it, and then you feel like the villain wasn't really doing anything. Like Hela in Thor Ragnarok, it's like we're all on board with that look. It's she looks cool, but there's not really anything to that character. But yeah, I mean, and that's like an extreme example yeah. of the of you know editing back her. At, into the you know, mythology when completely ignored their entire time. Like, yes. <laughs> just, that was just, very frustrating to me. Yeah, well, anyway. I thought they effectively... these. Are, this was, as you said, it's more about these, these this group of spider people and this big world-ending calamitous event. And then there are just some villains, and it's like, it, I don't think they're bad, but they. I think they do what they need to with them. Like They don't feel yeah. underwhelming, I would say. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Yeah. I, it didn't make me angry, but they didn't, like, do anything for me at the same time. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I just want something... I, I do want a live-action superhero movie to really feel like this. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, anti-animation. I do love, like, a lot of animation movies, but yeah. it's just... It is definitely not my favorite medium sure. of movie storytelling and i like lean more in that way like i watch all of those dumbass like straight to dvd animated films that dc put out and some of them are good but, yeah i mean yeah. like i've watched some of them like i don't yeah. like 
like I said, I don't hate it. I just, uh, I feel yeah. like... Well, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Endgame next year, but they do have an opportunity to do some torch-passing type movies. I think Homecoming, I, again, really like it. I think they could have given even more time to a sort of Tony and Peter mentor type thing, and maybe they can do it with a different character. But yeah, the the mentorship and the the passing of the torch, like you said, and the ensemble aspect, I think... These are all achievable things in live action. And even like the like even the crazy part, like I want that sense of just like anything is possible. Like we theoretically yeah. could do anything in a movie now, and it seems like yeah. they everything's limited. Everyone's scared to take chances on a live action movie for some reason. Yeah. yeah. And like the chances people do take are not nearly as chancy yeah. as they would mm. make you as people would like make them out of It's like, oh my god, a superhero who curses. <laughs> A superhero who is old and dies at the end. How did they let them make this? I know. And uh, It's like we snuck this out of the lab against their permission. I know. I I do think money is a big thing here, because this movie costs less than $100 million, whereas, you know, the the astronomical costs of these live-action equivalents, like, I think there's more at stake, so I feel they do feel a need to micromanage it and, and, and... drive it by the money and the marketing so that is a drawback of live action but yeah certainly i I, as we've said i don't think we can be settling for another remake of iron man one anymore go see the movie go see the movie everyone has seen it this is a pointless podcast but that's the theme of the our website anyway that is the theme of our website i i love all the scenes with all the the leaves and the snow and and that whole bit that was all quite pretty yeah, go to entertherealworld.com and listen to the rest of Big Spideas. And why don't you tell us where you think we have placed this? In the, it's the best one, right? Like, it's the yeah. best Spider-Man film. It's certainly better than Venom. <laughs> First three without question. Garfield's without question. And I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Homecoming. Although both, I almost fell asleep in the middle. Well, no, it's fine. No, actually, no, this you is You did fall Spider-Man. asleep in Homecoming. In Homecoming. Yeah, I did fall asleep. I remember when and we did this. the podcast, and I had to. I was talking about stuff, and you're like, yeah, I don't remember that. And this one, I almost fell asleep, but I, I didn't miss anything. I think they're so different. It is, it's hard to compare. It is hard to compare. I mean, there are aspects I, the of spirit, each that... The spirit of this one is so much purer yeah. and less... And I systemic, th- and I think that's less reflective of the systemic issues that produce superhero movies. So yes, this one's pretty obviously one for me. Yeah, that sense yeah. of of joy and and hope and freshness and all of that that is excellent about this and good for them. Although it does, it does suck that Spider Man's dad's a cop. In this. <laughs> that sucks. Hey, he's a good cop. There's no such thing as good cops. <laughs> Why did I agree? Do this stupid song I have a degree In chemical engineering I thought it would be fun To show this side of me But now I fear it lacks Artistic integrity Oh Spidey bells, spidey bells Good name for an impulse buy album or Spidey Bells. Spidey Bells. I'm filled with deep regret. I'm canceling this song's release for depress. I.
get Oh, spotty bells, spotty bells Swinging through midtown Oh, what fun to sling a weapon Take the bad guys Down